Welcome to Films and Feelings, a podcast with armchair analysts to ruin your favorite shows by psychoanalyzing the characters, concepts, and everything in between. I am your host, Alexa Bailey, licensed therapist and pop culture enthusiast. And I'm your co-host, Bailey Elliott, layperson extraordinaire and comic relief. As always, we are not movie critics. We are not here to rate the cinematography, actors, or plot. We are here to take our analysis and apply it to real life to be better people. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. Bailey, how are you today? I am great. I have enjoyed watching this kind of more, I don't know, young, youthful, mm-hmm. easier I don't know, more childlike, I suppose. Yes. A lighter watch than a Count of Monte watch. Cristo. There you yeah. go. That's what I needed. Yeah. yeah. A light watch. Um, I have small children, so I watch a lot of light watches, I suppose. But um, this one's yes. great. This is a fun yeah. one. This was a fun one for us to watch. And Bailey just told me this before, so I'm going to out her here, that uh, she had to put on a different children's movie to watch this her her child did not want to watch this with her so oh he took my phone and i had to watch it on the tv and i was like this is your movie dude <laughs> but he he's moved on he's moved yeah on. yeah so we just we're not even cool enough for toddlers so no we it's are not. okay anyway but this week we watched wreck it ralph and um like most disney movies it has a treasure treasure trove of trauma and Yes. Uh, qu- quite uh, tragic things that happen in it. And then, of course, also silliness as well. But Rick and Ralph introduces a number of themes that are relevant and important. Particularly, we are looking at the concepts of identity and healing. Um, through the film, we see many characters kind of stumble around, attempting to understand their own role, um, who they are versus what they feel like they're expected to be, um, and how to live authentically. And so the major mental health topics that we want to explore through Rick and Ralph are... Social stigmas with differences, disabilities, uh, neurodivergence, as well as identity and core self-beliefs, and self-acceptance and healing. Lots of lots of really good gold nuggets in this. And so, Bailey, give us a rundown of what we missed if we didn't watch this movie. Yeah, so Wreck-It Ralph came out in 2012, which was... I, it was older, older than I thought it was. Yeah, I just, 10 I years. That's kind of... Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, and there's a second one, so much has passed since. (laughs) However, um, so Wreck-It Ralph is, I feel like, was made by nerds for nerds a little bit as far as, like, video games go, which was cute. Um, It was cute. I don't, I didn't really play a lot of arcade games Mm -hmm. or video games, but I was, the whole time I was watching, I'm just thinking, oh, anybody who plays video games and stuff will just love this. Or, like, I bet they're just, like, loving all the stuff they're catching. Absolutely. But yeah, but this this game or this movie takes place in a game, in a video game, um, particularly inside of a arcade full mm-hmm. of different um, arcade games. Um, our main character is named Wreck-It Ralph or Ralph, um, and he belongs to a game called Fix-It Felix, and so he's the bad guy in that game. That's his role. He's the smasher of the building, and Felix is the fixer. So... um. That's all fine and good, except that Ralph doesn't want to be the bad guy. Right. Um, he even attends um, bad non meetings, like oh AA meetings for bad guys, which is Honestly. just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, BA meetings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so at these meetings, he's encouraged to like accept the fact that he's the bad guy, but he just can't. He was not invited to the 30th anniversary party. He sleeps in the garbage at <laughs> building. Um, so. He's got it pretty tough and he's decided he's just going to figure out how to be the hero. So um, through some searching around, he's figured out that if he wins a medal, a hero medal, that he can become a hero. So he does this by sneaking into a like a modern first person shooter game Mm -hmm. um, and is determined to win. But he soon wrecks everything as he always does by accidentally unleashing this deadly like cybug out into Mm -hmm. the the arcade games and um then crash lands into a game called sugar rush where he meets penelope 
She's our other. Vanellope von Schweetz. Which the is cutest so, name ever. So cute. And he so he meets her and they become friends. Um, not right away though, mm-hmm. because Vanellope <laughs> steals this medal that he worked so hard to win in that game, um, and turns it in so that she can play the next day in this racing game. So the whole premise of this can or so the sugar rush is it's a racing game. So she wants to win. But the king of the game, King Candy, forbids her to race because she has a glitch. So this mm. glitch causes her to move and teleport kind of erratically. Um, and so Vanellope promises Ralph she'll get him the medal back if he helps her win this game. So that's kind of the thing. She's she stole his medal, but she'll get it back when she wins. Um, yes. So Ralph, Ralph says he'll help her. He, so they work yeah. together. They build a car together. They train together. Kind of like <laughs> Rocky movies or whatever, like training and training. Um, build a cute little racetrack. Um, all, all made and- out of candy. I love. I just love the the use of candy in like every possible way. A diet soda mountain right. with with the, the Mentos. Mentos. Yes. <laughs> so cute and the candy cane forest and the all that cute stuff. Singing um, laffy taffy. Love it. I love it. Oh, oh, I know. Like so many candy puns. It's unreal. Oh, too many, <laughs> but yes, yes. Yeah, so Ralph actually, once they get this car built, um, which is a total disaster of a car, <laughs> it looks right. terrible, but she loves it because she's yeah. they're becoming really good friends. Yeah. This, of course, hits a snag. You know, we have to have some conflict, right? So Ralph ends up actually smashing the car they just built because King Candy tricks him into thinking that Vanalpi's glitch is going to, like, ruin the game. So yeah, he realizes that he must do this. And all defeated, knowing he's not going to win his medal, he returns Back to his game to find it out of order because he left. And so right. did and so did Felix. Fix it Felix came to find him as well. Right. And there's like a whole other plot that's going on with Felix falling in love with the lady from the shoot first person shooter game. They had yes. their own little cute romance. Lots of other stuff happening. But yes. Essentially, once Ralph leaves the um the game, he he discovers that what King Candy told him is not true about yeah. Vanilla. Um, and that actually um, that her winning the game, right, winning the race would actually fix her glitch and restore the game back to how it should be. So mm-hmm. he's on a mission to help her go back and win the race, yeah. um, which, of course, like anything, it's like it's, it's time to go down. So it's a super intense race, right? Right. Cybugs flying everywhere from the yes. first shooter game, um, you know, characters frantically evacuating from the game. Um, and all hope seems lost, but Ralph and Vanellope cross the finish line, and it's revealed that Vanellope is actually the true ru- true ruler of Sugar Rush, mm-hmm. and and she also still keeps um, gets to keep her cool glitch mm-hmm. that doesn't go away, yeah. and it's actually kind of a cool ability because she can kind of transport around. So, yeah. and then through this whole adventure, Ralph, uh, I guess, returns to his own game, and so does Fix It Felix, and all is restored and kind of like lord of the rings like it's about the journey right so he comes right. back he's still the villain when he comes back but he's content in that role yeah and has respect and um has kind of proven himself to be more than just a bad guy to everybody in the game and all of his friends so it's just a super cute movie oh it's and it's like you said there are these subplots that are woven in there that are hilarious and also kind of profound right like king candy secretly being um turbo from right. the game years ago right like camouflaging himself and and yeah it's it brings up these really powerful things especially with Vanellope's glitch so right to me i i really liked watching this because I, I viewed it through a new lens this time around um that when we look at disney movies historically especially like some of the early ones um the flaw or the point of conflict, right, is the thing that everyone works super hard to resolve and at the end it goes away, right? For the, for the most part. Yeah. What I love about this movie is that Vanellope's glitch, which has been painted as like, oh, this is horrible thing. It's causing all this distress. This is the reason why things are bad. That at the end, there's this recognition of um, it's not about the glitch. And actually, the glitch is a part of her and she has come to really accept it. And to me, it started to become this really beautiful allegory or analogy for having differences, disabilities, but be- being more of like a-, a neurodivergent person in a neurotypical world. 
that all the people around Vanellope are like super hating on her, making fun of her, calling her names. And yeah. she's just trying to live her life. Like she's just trying to play the game. And it's almost like everywhere she turns, she's being like shut down. And and so let's let's look at this for a second. Um to just bring in some terminology, um, I'm very thankful that this has become more mainstream, but the term neurodivergent is uh, fairly new on the scene. Um, things like TikTok and Instagram have started to normalize it a little bit. Like most people are starting to be more familiar with that term. That's definitely that's definitely where I learned the word neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And I personally am <laughs> I am neurodivergent. <laughs> so it's really yes. funny that I heard it on TikTok first, but it's something I was diagnosed with a long time ago. <laughs> It's amazing right. the awareness through these silly little apps can it's very really yes, it's very interesting. And that's why things like TikTok and Instagram and social media in general, um, it, it does a lot of beautiful things. There are limits and boundaries, of course, to that. Um, and diagnosing ourselves with with conditions because of a TikTok is sure um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I do appreciate that it's bringing kind of knowledge and um normalcy to a lot of different topics. And so um, I just want to define neurodivergent for us for a moment. It is a non, this is coming straight from the Cleveland Clinic website. Um, All right. To, to cite my source. Um, not, from, not from a TikTok. Right. Correct. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's a, a non-medical term that describes people whose brains develop or work differently for some reason. This means a person has a different, has different strengths and struggles from people whose brains develop or work more typically. Um, hence the word neurotypical versus neurodivergent. Um, while some people who are neurodivergent have medical conditions, things like uh, ADHD or things of that nature, um, it also happens to people where a medical condition or diagnosis hasn't been identified. Um, like most things in, in the world, we live on a spectrum of yes. neurodivergence or neurotypical behavior. And I love the word neurodivergent because we have this tendency to want to label things, which is just the way that we make sense of things. But with with things like ADHD or learning disabilities or things that like show up early on with kids in a classroom, that's where we kind of first start to see some behaviors. Um, It used to be labeled as like, as um, someone disrupting the status quo or not being quote unquote normal. And to put that label on there, right? To not be normal. It's a really heavy label for a kid. And, yeah. and I think that this is a big part of the conflict with Penelope is that everyone around her is like, you're not normal. You're the glitch. And it's making her feel terrible because they're using this word glitch to mean so much more. It's right. not just describing what's happening. It's become this like kind of nasty insult that they throw at her, even though it's something that she's just, she's just living with. And so, right? um, yeah. I guess a bit of history because I'm a big, big nerd and I love it. Um, Judy Singer is an Australian sociologist and she coined the word neurodiversity in 1998 to recognize that everyone's brains develop in a unique way, that normal is a construct that we use to create in-groups and out-groups. And it's a way that we attempt to make meaning of the world to find acceptance and safety, um, which is also a facet of social identity theory. So I was curious, where do you see examples of this in the movie with kind of making in-groups and out-groups. Well, I mean, all Vanellope wants to do in this movie is race. It's like her drive, her passion. And all the other racers are a bunch of cute little girls like her. And they are so mean. They're so mean. They call her a glitch. What is what is the the word she uses? Pixlexia? Yes. She says, I'm not a glitch. I've got Pixlexia. Yeah. Which is just... <laughs> I love it. I just, I feel like, oh, man, Disney movies, they're so sneaky with this stuff because yes. they, they are helping normalize, even just in that silly joke of a word, uh-huh. things like dyslexia, yes. which a lot of children, myself included, were diagnosed with at a very young age yeah. and needed special art. You know, I luckily think it is my parents really took it upon themselves to figure out how to help me learn better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that a lot of kids are getting, are diagnosed with and, um, maybe feel like they're an outcast for people might make mm-hmm. fun of them because they're not reading very well or they can't keep numbers together, things like that. And so I feel like when kids are watching that, whether consciously or subconsciously, there are parallels that they're able to draw between their own lives 
mm-hmm. and in that. I mean, and those mean girls on the track, you can tell Vanellope kind of just is like, whatever, they're just mean. But yeah. King Candy's the one who really hones in on her, mm-hmm. what a problem she is, and sets the example for everyone around to shun her, to Ooh. gasp when she comes around, oh, it's the glitch, you know, that sort of thing, creates this kind of hate culture for her yeah um which we find out later is because of his own crap right, <laughs> right? because he's secretly somebody else and talk blah, about blah. projecting hello Dude, which is just what it is you know we, we create yeah. stigmas around these other people because we we don't want to acknowledge within ourselves what we have going on right we don't yeah. want to figure our own crap out so we just put it on other people and i think that in this movie it's obviously dramatized because it's a kid movie but it's just so prevalent in like just the general lack of community that she has. Mm-hmm. She's sort of ostracized for this. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing up King Candy because I think that we, at some point, we can all relate to this feeling of when you see someone mirroring back a behavior that you have and it's annoying you, that it's not really about that person. It's your own insecurity showing up. And I totally... <laughs> I have experienced this kind of recently. I forget exactly the scenario, but someone was saying something and I I was kind of remarking to my husband like, oh my gosh, this is like so obnoxious. Why is this person acting this way? And I had to like take a moment to reassess and I was like, oh, that's because I worry that that's how I show up with people, right? Yeah. Whether I actually do or not. And, and oftentimes it's like a behavior that I've worked a lot toward to shift that when I see it mirrored back to me, I almost have this lower tolerance for it and lower grace to give because yeah. of the way that I treated myself about that same thing. And so King Candy totally does this where he doesn't want to be found out and he is, he was glitching. Right. And so he covered that up. And I mean, we find out later, spoiler, it's 10 years old, so it's not really a spoiler anymore, but sure. Um, <laughs> He, we find out that he disrupted her code in an attempt to take over her spot. Right. And so yeah. we talk about an, an analogy about abuse too, but he took over her stuff in order to kind of trick everyone around him. Um, mm-hmm. And because she is, uh, she threatens his ability to exist at this facade that he's created. Um, I think he's very, very threatened by her. And so, yeah, it's this very yucky in-group, out-group, and I think, too, we see this with uh, with Ralph and yes. the townspeople in, what, what's it called, Nice Town? Or... Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's Nice Town. Which is so funny. Um, yeah, this, yeah. Okay, so tell me about that. Like, what was your take, like, watching the interactions with Ralph and, like, the Nice Town people? Like, what were your thoughts with that? So what I thought was so funny is that they just didn't even want to give him a little bit. They didn't want to give him a chance. They didn't want to get to know him. They didn't li- honestly, they all were so in so much fear of him that they didn't even listen to the words coming out of his mouth. Like they were all just waiting for him to leave the room, looking at each other like, is someone going to get him out of here? And they're not even looking at him as a person. I think a lot of fear is what is in these people's attitude and demeanor toward him. Obviously, that makes sense because they are... The game is that he like smashes their building and they're all scared mm-hmm. of him and things like that. So I think that um, fear, just kind of like uh, King Candy, the um, threatening and fear is a lot of the reasons why we push people away, whether that threatens the way we have way, the way we think that life mm-hmm. is best. We don't want that ruined by someone else who is different yeah. than us. Actually, yes. my husband the other day said something like, we never know the best case scenario we think Mm. we do right we think we know like the best case scenario i threw a party for my three-year-old today i was thinking the best case scenario is everybody shows up on time i have the hot dogs ready and we do the cake at this time and nobody gets hurt that's the best case scenario yeah but today a few people who said they were going to come couldn't come end up being a ton of people and it's actually better that way like it's better that it wasn't quite so crowded and then it was super low key. People could just grab things as they wanted. It was unorganized in a good way. Yeah. And I that wasn't the scenario I thought was best, but it was. And so it's interesting when we see somebody who's different than us or somebody who's kind of threatening the way of life we have. We think we know what's best, which is to keep them away, but we don't. Yeah. We don't know how things could be better. Ooh, absolutely. 
Yeah. So let, yes. so let the neurodivergent people in because they're great. Right. They're going to win the party up. Yeah. Let well, Ralph eat the cake because right. he's a, he's a fun guy, but they won't even give him a chance to show them. Yeah. No, I, I think that's very profound what you said that, um, and, and what your spouse said, right. That, um, we don't know the best case scenario. And so we often, we often do assume the worst. It goes back to, again, our, our need to find safety. We, we yeah. want to be able to feel safe. We want to feel um, accepted. And, and it, truthfully, it goes back to kind of what we discussed in our last episode about um, black and white thinking that if we can put things into very defined boxes, that feels pretty good. And, and so for Ralph, right, they, they've written him off as this, he's the bad guy, right? But Ralph is not a bad guy. He plays the role of the bad guy in this game, but he's not bad. Um, and to me, this is where we we see just the impact of stigmatizing differences, that when we have these non-inclusive environments, it leads to some really yucky stuff, that there's prejudice, there's hatred. We see this show up in cu- current times, right, with, with racism, classism, with um, religious persecution. There's a lot of things that we see show up and stigmatizing our differences that if if you are this way then you are bad right but if you are this way then you're good and when we start to stigmatize this we are inherently driving disconnection in our attempt to try and find connection maybe with the people around us or who we feel is agreeing with us yeah we are actually driving disconnection and it's it's one of the hardest things with like getting into an echo chamber that if you're only around people that think the same as you you're going to just get more entrenched in those ideas and i mean that's just like psych 101 is that if you only are in the same space talking about the same things it doesn't actually deepen your understanding of a topic all it does is get you entrenched and so opening up the idea that hey maybe there's more that we could learn from having different people with us um like the other racers, like they could have benefited from seeing this diversity and being able to see Vanellope do her thing. But because there was such fear put into this, there's like a lot of fear mongering from King, yeah. King Candy that she was instead put into this out group and shunned, um, which is pretty tough, right? Pretty well, tough. I, yeah. Well, and I think that Ralph's whole world was so, his whole game is so like black and white. Like this yeah. is the good guy. These are the bad guy. These are the innocent people that the bad guy's hurting. And I right. think that him going on an adventure to go find himself is really profound in the sense that he meets Vanellope, who fits neither neither spot. Mm-hmm. When he first meets her, she's not the hero of the game. She's not the villain of the game. She's just kind of an outcast. She's just a person kind of trying to figure out her stuff. And he's able to like watch her do that. And I feel like that almost kind of gives him permission to do that too. Mm. Yeah, he, I mean, of course, they kind of meet under like harsh circumstances like, hey, you stole the metal I needed. But then they able to work together and realize, oh, OK, well, maybe we can be something different than just good or bad or just just whatever our, our inherent or like what we whatever we were assigned. We can maybe yeah. we can maybe start to we can either I guess it's like we don't we won't be forced to accept that mm-hmm. like that role. We will choose it for ourselves mm-hmm. because we've yeah. looked around and we know where we want to be. So, because I mean, at the end of the movie, Ralph is still the villain of the of the game. It's right. not like he now is the fixer and Fix It Felix is the wrecker. He's still wreck it, Ralph. Um, and Vanellope still has her glitch, and but they're able to be where they chose to be, be who they wanted to be, and it just so happened to be for Ralph the same as when before he left on his mission. Again, it's like it's like like a Lord of the Rings thing for me. Like they, you know, there and back again. Yes. Like Bilbo, like to reference those, like the Hobbit stuff. Like Bilbo is still Bilbo when he gets back, yeah. you know, like Sam is still Sam in the Shire or whatever. Right. Get nerdy with it. But like you're still that person. But when you go on these journeys and you really, like you said, leave the echo chamber, you yeah. get out and you meet new people and you experience new things, you're able to, like, I guess, fully embrace who mm-hmm. you are instead of just being yeah. set in what you've been told you are. Right. Yeah, you get to be, you get to make decisions and you get to be intentional with your actions. And for the record, Lord of the Rings is not nerdy, okay? (laughs) It is not nerdy. Um, I know for a fact that many of the people that listen to this podcast love Lord of the Rings. And you know what? I'm watching Rings of Power right now. Came out on Prime. It's like the prequel or whatever. It's pretty good. So 
So, Lord of the Rings fans, I got you. You're not yes. nerdy. You're cool. <laughs> That's right. You're right. That's but, right. No, but I, I do love that. I do love that analogy that they don't they don't necessarily change their um, actions a whole lot, but it's the meaning behind those actions, right? Yes. And the support group in the movie really made me laugh because um, as I was kind of doing some research for our stuff, people call it like therapy or whatever. And I'm like, nope. A sport, a sport group is different than therapy, just for the right. record. Right. Um, but it's really funny because it is almost, it's almost functioned uh, or it's almost structured a little bit like, um, like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, right? Right. Um, which is pretty funny. Um, yes. But to me, it's like the power of connecting with people who we experience our same stuff. And for Ralph, he wasn't really connecting to the people around him because in that bad anon group, um, and and maybe you maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but I don't really love their slogan in there where they're like, "We are bad, and that's not bad. I'm not good," at, you know, their whole thing. Yeah. Um, that to me again, it's the they are driving acceptance, but they're it's not getting to the meat underneath of it. Of you are not actually bad, right? Like you still can be good in whatever way that is supposed to look for you, and so yeah. um, just those, you know understanding what we believe bad to be or what we believe good to be that those are going to vary um person to person um which very beautifully leads us to that idea of understanding what we do believe about ourselves and how we view ourselves and so you kind of talk about ralph taking this identity journey to understand more about who he is um and so i'm curious like what what you noticed in his development but also if there were any other characters that really stood out to you as far as how they navigated understanding their own identity a little bit more deeply. Cool. Let's see. I'll just start with Fix-It Felix really quick. Mm -hmm. He's the first person that comes to mind. I didn't talk about him a lot in the synopsis, but um, he kind of goes after Ralph. Once Ralph doesn't come back to the game, the game's broken. He's got to go figure out what, what the heck's going on. And even though him and Ralph, you know, have been set in this game together for 30 years, mm -hmm. they don't really know each other. And yeah. I feel like he has to go and... Um, find him and realize that like Ralph isn't the bad guy he thought he was and mm -hmm. so that kind of changes some core beliefs within him like well then maybe I'm more there's more to me than just being just yeah just the fix it guy just doing yes. that thing and he ends up falling in love with um with Sergeant, Sergeant Calhoun Sergeant Calhoun who's yes. like three times as tall as him so cute they're just it's hilarious I love their right. little their little coupling it's adorable so um, but I think that it's cool that he gets to go out and have a similar um, adventure to Ralph in the sense that he figures out he's more multidimensional as well yeah. and realizes that Ralph and him can actually be friends. Like, they don't yeah. have to be stuck in one or the other. And and I love that, that Ralph sees how much good he does. He's able to recognize how much he's able to help Vanellope. Mm -hmm. He recognizes that he doesn't just wreck things. He can help save things, too. And I feel like that's something that he just was cursed with. Like, at the party in the beginning, he, he breaks the cake. And he he just he's so tough and strong. Like he just breaks everything. And it just sucks because he just doesn't want to do – he doesn't want to be that guy who breaks everything or gets right. mad. Right. And so when he, he's able to help Vanellope win the race, that's a big time for him to realize, mm -hmm. like, I can do good. I can be a friend to somebody. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge shift in a core belief in yourself. Ooh, yes. Yes. And and like you said, there these core beliefs show up very interestingly for each of these characters. And I wanted to define it. I've, I forgot to kind of give that background. Obviously, you're aware of what core beliefs mean. But core beliefs tend to include the thoughts and the assumptions that we hold about ourselves others as well as the world around us so um these are very deep-seated beliefs that honestly they usually go unrecognized until we start to analyze and and they do constantly <laughs> affect our lives and so the way i like to phrase it or frame it with my own people that i work with is these often sound like th these beliefs often sound like i am the world is people are and so you mentioned fix it felix right um I think one of his core beliefs is is truthfully Ralph is bad. Ralph is the bad guy. And so that's that's the framework that he's seeing things through. Once he starts to get to know Ralph, that starts to shift, right? That oh, Ralph is actually an okay guy. Well, and then Felix was never mean to like he was never rude to Ralph. Right. He was always like kind of appeasing him like, "Yeah, yeah, you're just the the bad guy, but you're kind of nice and so I'll 
try to be kind to you. Like, sure, I guess you can come into the party for a second. Everyone's like, oh, Felix, why'd you let him in? He's like, well, you know, I'm just a nice guy. Right. But he was he was putting Ralph in a box, like mm-hmm. in an untouchable space where he didn't need to develop a relationship with him. He didn't need to really see him as a person. He's just a nice guy. So he's mm-hmm. not going to be rude about it. But Ralph is Ralph and he is Felix. And yeah. when that, those lines start to blur and he realizes like, oh, we could be buddies. Like, we don't have yeah. to do this. I think it's a really beautiful thing in the movie. Right. I think this is where we see the difference from Fix It Felix. He's making the transition from the nice guy, which we've talked about before, right? The, ni- the nice guy effect, um, to being actually a good guy. Yeah. That he's not just putting on the face like, oh, okay, yeah, like, we'll be nice to you without having actually any heart in it, right? Like, doing what he's maybe expected to do or what he thinks may- might maybe win him some points. But instead doing it from the goodness of his own heart and re- recognizing and realizing, hey, Ralph is someone who deserves to be loved and, and cared for as well. I think and that, um, oh, it is. It's so powerful. And I think that we are all really guilty of this in a lot of ways. Totally. Like, we're a nice person. So we see somebody who maybe has different struggles than us or somebody who we, we don't think is as able as we are in some areas. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of do like a metaphorical pat on the head. Like, you're just, you know you're simple or you you don't know how to do this so i'm just going to put you over here as a person kind of uh-huh. in my own mental space and give you your own little space to just kind of do your own little thing but i'm not going to really get close to you or try to understand you and why you're doing what you're doing there's a lot of people i think that do this to, we all do this to each other there's a lot there's people in my life i've been like you i don't ugh. you're just you're just you're tricky for me you're not easy to figure out you're not comfortable for me so i'll just put you over here and i think that we do that a lot of times with like neurodivergent people especially because we don't get them we're different right or or even neurodivergent people will do that to neurotypical people we're like well you don't get me you don't you wouldn't understand me so i will stay over here but we don't learn and grow from each other when we do that (laughs) like we're not getting anywhere and we're not fixing anything and we're not um, just we're not expanding our own knowledge and able to right. we just we just miss out. It's just so right. sad. And I feel like everybody would have missed out in this movie if Felix and Ralph would have just stayed in their lanes. Totally. It's like mix it up a little bit, guys. Like, yeah. get, like really sit down and have a real conversation. And I just mm-hmm. think it's just so cute how they become friends. Like and all through yeah. all of this. But that growth of learning and getting to know somebody for what's internal and for what's happening inside and as a real person, it takes a lot of vulnerability, a lot of willingness to get deep and get kind of into the the gritty with someone. And we didn't really touch on this very much, but like Ralph at the very beginning acknowledges like, yeah, my anger is kind of right on the surface, right? Like he has some difficulty with emotional regulation, which honestly, I mean, he mentions it's like 30 years that he's been in this game. Like after 30 years of rejection, yeah, you're probably going to have some anger. Mm -hmm. Um, but even the way that, like, when someone exhibits those anger behaviors, it doesn't mean that they are an angry person. It just means that they are experiencing anger. And if we were yeah. to get close to them, we'd start to understand a little bit more. And there's a quote from my my, my girl crush, Brene Brown, um, that it's really difficult to hate someone up close. That yes. when, we, when we really start to get to know people, it's really hard to... Um, to be unhappy with them. And uh, my sister and I, we have this funny thing sometimes that we'll say um, that when we are, you know, venting about something that it's this acknowledgement of like, I know that there's more going on and we can talk about that in a second. But like, I'm just, I'm not going to try and understand them right now. I'm just going to say my thing. And then at the end, we kind of come back to, and also they're probably feeling things too, right? Like try to be holistic. Yeah. But, but that it is hard to really hate somebody when we start to understand and look at their flaws and look at them as a human person yes and i think that when we open up to other people and they are able to open up to us and we see them we see them actually accept us for themselves like we people feel that like you know when somebody actually cares about you yeah and actually sees the real you you feel that and then it is able you're able to reinforce and even change some ideas you had about yourself because someone sees something in you that you maybe didn't see before or they see the real you that you're trying to get across but it's hard for you because your communication and thinking styles are different than that other person mm-hmm. i think that that's the best part of Anelope and ralph's relationship is they just like really like each other and they're so different 
Like yeah. they're such like they're so cute because like Ralph is just huge and he's really like rough around the edges and you know hot tempered and stuff. And Vanellope's just like sassy, cute little tiny thing, mm-hmm. super driven in what she wants to do, super smart yeah. and clever. It's just so it's so cute how they yeah. interact with each other and they're just. I don't know. It's like if we just all just talk to people that are the same as us all the time, we're gonna, we're never gonna go anywhere. Oh, your life is gonna suck. It's like you eat the same food every day, eat all your meal prepped meals for the rest of your life. You're never gonna really experience the joy of having some sort of unique cuisine. Like, yeah, go there and experience it because I think this movie kind of shows. I I just I don't know. People have issues with the weight. Disney's pushing different agendas these days. I love the agenda in this movie. It's just like, accept, have fun, yeah. make new friends, go on adventures, find yourself. Yeah. And don't listen to the haters. Yeah. Know? Yes. And yeah, I, I will I will not get on my soapbox about this. Um, <laughs> but, but attempting to have diversity and to show acceptance, um, that is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing that is very healing, I think, for when people can see themselves in a movie, in a character. Like, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It feels so validating and, and you feel seen. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for the agendas. Let's do, let's do it. Um, right. Ralph and Vanellope, their relationship is very fascinating because um, – I think it is the first time that Ralph is experiencing some grace. He's experiencing someone who's not just like totally turned off by his energy that he has someone who's actually coming back at it with humor, with connection. And it's kind of this new pattern that he's having to develop actual relationships. So if you think about it from this point of view, I actually saw this, that some people were kind of like guesstimating, like, what do we think? Like, what would Ralph be diagnosed with? And yeah. a lot of people kind of have this opinion of, like, borderline personality disorder. I can see some of those traits. But truthfully, if we just boil it down to, um, like, his attachment, he's never really had strong attachments. And this is the first time he's learning how to walk through that to handle conflict and find resolution, right? They have – him and Vanellope have several ruptures in their relationship, but Ew. they also find repairs for it. Even the big conflict where he smashes up her car – they find a way to repair that. Mm-hmm. And and it goes to show how important the the quality attachments that we have in our life, how impactful those can be because it can shift anything. It can fit it can shift everything. It's really really powerful and 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 to me um like going back to the beliefs and how those kind of drive our behaviors and drive our actions um it does affect how we show up. And and so We've kind of talked through pieces of this, and but Ralph has some pretty significant self-beliefs. And so yeah. I'm curious w- what some of his self-beliefs are that you kind of see and how they, how they affect him. Well, I think that – I kind of mentioned it before, but I think that he genuinely believes that he just wrecks everything. Like that's a part of who he is and – one of the parts I love in this movie is when the car is done at the car factory to make this candy car for, and it looks terrible. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> like it's like a sludge mismatch hodgepodge thing. Yeah. And he looks at it and he looks at Penelope and he's like, oh my gosh, like I suck. Like I made her the worst car ever. And she yeah. loved it. And she's just yeah. like, I love this car. This is amazing. And he was like, really? And I love that switch in his head because I feel like he's finally changing that core belief he has about himself that he just wrecks things, you know? Yeah. And then he has to like, like, um, because he wants to be a hero so bad that he, or a good guy so bad that he sneaks into that, um, that cyborg game or whatever in the shooting game and like is trying to steal that medal so that he can get a hero medal. And I think that in that moment, he started to realize, like, I don't have to be sneaky about it. I don't have to, like, hide who I am. I don't have to, like, not be Wreck-It Ralph to be a good guy. I can still just be who I am. Yeah. So I feel like he really has a lot of self-loathing. Like, when he's in the garbage pit and all that kind of stuff, he's just like, this is where I live. I live in the garbage pit. Like, this is what I am. People don't like me. I really – but he really wants them to. So he'll just, like, push it anyway. He's like, I know I suck. I know I'm – a mess and I know I'm, like I said my anger's at the surface and I know I'm this but like, I really want to be a good guy though 
And yeah. I feel like when when he makes that card for Penelope, he's like, oh, I could be both. Like, and I don't have to like hide the fact that I'm kind of a, just a big hot mess. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. some of us are just big hot messes, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and like people okay, love us. Who, for who, it. who isn't? Who isn't a big hot yes, mess? Right. Amen. Like show Amen. me show me one person. And if if you can point them out, I can guess that there's probably some people pleasing perfectionism or some in inauthentic thing happening there. Like we are all big hot steaming messes absolutely and just some of us are more obvious about it than others <laughs> some of us you can see it coming from a mile away others sure. it takes about a year into the friendship friendship to be like oh this hell be crazy <laughs> i feel like is that's that, what, is that, is that what happened no. to you when you yes, met me? <laughs> no no i was gonna say it probably happened to you when you met me no not even but. a little bit but you Not know what I mean? Bit. Like, yeah, we all we all are that way, and so it's just so cute that, like, yeah, he. I I feel like his core belief is I wreck things. I'm wreck it, Ralph. Yeah, I'm not a fixer. I'm a destroyer, and I feel like yeah, that's cool that that gets to shift with him. Yeah, I like that. I I see those pieces too, and I think just to add to it, a belief that I see in him is I have to earn love or I have to earn acceptance right. because he's working super hard. He's going through like a hell of a lot of stuff to try yeah. and just prove that he is worthy and the moment that he challenges that and starts to see that oh he's actually accepted without having to do anything that yeah. Penelope likes like what does she call him stink brain or something silly like yeah she loves him just as he is that to me it's like oh light bulb moment okay I'm actually I didn't have to earn this like yeah, or Developing- squeeze into something yeah. he doesn't fit into. Like he's mm-hmm. he's squeezing into these roles that he's not like. He'll never be the hero of that game. That wouldn't make any sense, right? But he's like, the only way I'm going to get love is if I make that happen. Exactly. Oh, oh. We, don't we all just do that though? Like, sure. or haven't we all gone? I mean, not maybe not currently doing it. But haven't we all in our own growing up been trying to identify something we're not? Has trying to make ourselves fit some sort of stereotype that we don't yeah. really actually believe in or want to be in. Yeah. I feel like like all adolescence and growing up is just like, I'm this. Then you're like, actually, I'm not. Right. Or like, if I want people to love me, I'm going to pretend like I love this thing. You don't. Yes. <laughs> we like we talk yeah. about. Like hiking. Although I have to like kind of, I have to take that back a little bit because I just, mm-hmm. I just hiked a bunch while I was traveling abroad and okay it was different than the hikes that we that we've done in both of the places we live um because it was almost always fairly short and then at the end you've got like a freaking waterfall so it's we're, it's it's the caveats that we've mentioned before yes. um <laughs> but I had it was funny on one of those hikes I had to say to my husband I'm gonna have to tell Bailey that I maybe <laughs> actually like hikes a little bit. <laughs> um, um, if I was hiking, if I was hiking in um, in Scotland, Lexi, I would also enjoy hiking. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. We've been planning this trip for a very long time, so I had to enjoy it. So yes, yes. But but that's flexibility in our thinking, right? We yes. have flexibility, and and I think about when I think about people who are flexible or people who are wholeheartedly themselves. I had a friend in high school who Rachel if you ever listen sure love you um but she was to me wholeheartedly herself it was like kind of intoxicating to be around her because she she could make you laugh she could be there with you in vulnerable moments like she was very very authentic and as I have grown older I look back and I realize like that's really brave and like really radical that she was that and and maybe she didn't necessarily see herself as always being wholehearted. Maybe there were insecurities there as well that, you know, I didn't see from the surface. But it felt so powerful to me to be around someone who just could, like, live in their power and be so themselves. And I think that's why we are drawn to people that have those kind of empowering self-beliefs. When we know someone who feels... Um, you know, like I am enough or I am powerful or I am okay, right? We are drawn to that energy because we want that for ourselves too. And so we see that again in this movie a, a lot with with the way that people are drawn together that even like with Fix-It Felix and Sergeant Calhoun that 
Nick said Felix is this like I forget the guy that voices him. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> He's one of my favorite because he always has this like southern draw like it's really sweet um but well, that yeah, is like, he's from he's from 30 rock or oh yes i love him kenneth <laughs> kenneth yeah gosh so funny yeah yeah i watch a lot of tv so um <laughs> i love that uh juxtaposition there too because calhoun is just like very rigid very strict very strong person as we see like she's clearly got some like ptsd going on but for her i think it's probably really nice to be around fix a felix because He's sweet and he's simple and he's not this complex trauma stuff that she's been living in in her own game. And so, yeah, just trying to break down, break down those barriers and to kind of live more authentically and live in what we want. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we touched on this before, but I wanted to ask you this because the idea of beliefs uh, in the group support group. They go, their affirmation or group belief is, quote, I'm bad and that's good. I will never be good and that's not bad. There's no one I'd rather be than me, unquote. I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear your take on the flaws with this and the strengths with this. I think that using such simple language like that leaves it open to misinterpretation. Like, I feel like... Hmm. You could you could look at this and interpret it so many different ways because it's just using these words good and bad, right? If we were to yes. take those words out and put words that were more focused on, I don't know, how you could actually love yourself uh-huh. and not be one or the other, yeah, I feel like it'd be better. So like, I'm bad and that's good. What that I feel like that line should be is like, I am the villain in this game, like, or I have been cast as the role. Mm-hmm. of the wrecker of this fix it felix game and that's good because someone needs to have you know someone has to do that i will never be good and that's not bad so i'll never be fix it felix because i'm wreck it ralph and that's good that i'm wreck it ralph yeah you know and there yeah and there's no one i'd rather be than me because and then that could be because i am skillfully made to be what i am yeah and that's why I, i'm the best at wrecking things because that's what i'm made to do i'm a mm-hmm. pro at it Totally. And so it's like this statement, if you just, especially if, if you're fighting that role, you don't want to be the bad guy. I feel like right. when he's at the meeting and they, they're all saying this, he's just like, I hate this so much. He's like, I right. am bad and that's good. He's like, no, I don't want to be bad though. But right. you can say like, no, like you have been made to be the wrecker in this game. You've been made to, to be the one that the person playing the game is fighting against so that they can have fun and have a challenge. Like, your, yeah. your role is important. Like, he's so important. When he leaves the game, the game shuts down. You can't do yeah. it without him. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, that, like, inherently this, this statement sounds like, wait, what? If you're just maybe be like, I'm Wreck-It Ralph and that's good. I'll never be Fix-It Felix and that's not bad because maybe Wreck-It yeah. Ralph is great. You know, there's no one I'd, else I'd rather be than me. Ooh, yes. I like that. So I, I really love that because, um, like you said, it's, it's, bringing in some nuance that um, labeling our like labels will always be insufficient. Um, But to recognize that we get to play a lot of roles and that it's kind of beautiful at the end with both Vanellope and Ralph, the way that each of them kind of um, connects their story arc is that Vanellope uses her glitch in a way that is advantageous for her that allows her to like save herself essentially and Ralph uses his like wrecking ability to also create the light beam with the Mentos in the in the soda, right? Yeah, like he, totally. He uses his ability to be able to um to save save everyone in the game, save the game. And Vanellope again uses her glitch to save Ralph. And I just love the beauty of that because the, he says this mantra as he's like flying through the air, right? But the last line is, there's no one I'd rather be than me. And I think that that, we can we can recognize that we don't always maybe believe that, right? That there's sure. no one we'd rather oh. be than ourselves. Like, that sometimes we want to be someone else. We want to try on a different personality or try on a different life. And and to to stand in that belief of there's no one I'd rather be than me, how empowering is that? Because it's totally challenging old beliefs that don't work for us. It's challenging that concept that we have to earn our 
love or earn our um, connection and attention that instead it's saying, you know what? I'm me and that's all I have to be. Such a powerful, powerful place to be. Yes. Oh. And and ultimately it's our, it should be our goal, right? Yeah. How can I figure out in my own life how to b- truly believe the statement that there's no one I'd rather be than me? Like what yeah. can I, what changes do I need to make? What adventures yeah. do I need to go on? What horizons do I need to broaden? Like what research do I need to do? How can I figure out how I can truly love being me? Because because you can't change. <laughs> you can't become someone else. You can yeah. expand who you are. You can yeah. work on set, you know, different facets of yourself. You can mm-hmm. you can develop new skills. You can do things like that. But you're never not you. You're not going to ever yeah. be someone else. So how about you figure out how to how to like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like and yourself. It, and it's a beautiful yes. And it's funny because um I talk about this a lot in the therapy room that Sometimes that belief system, if we've come if we're coming from a belief system of I'm not good enough or I'm bad, right? It feels like a really radical jump to get to I'm good or I yeah. am enough, right? That there is we can take our steps there to first thinking I'm okay. Right? Like that's that's a better belief than I'm bad. We can go there yes. first. And that starting to acknowledge where we're at. And, and going really along that healing journey requires some self-acceptance, but it requires radical acceptance. So yes, radical acceptance is a beautiful thing. It's a, a core concept of um, distress tolerance within DVT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, and I'm pulling this from kind of a DVT manual, just this terminology for a quick sec, because... I like the way it breaks it down. It's just good knowledge for us as people. Um, When we experience pain, we essentially have four choices that we have problem solving. We can start to kind of find our way through it. We can change our feelings. (laughs) Kind of a hard one, right? Um, You can. (laughs) I know. We can attempt to change our feelings. Um, There's acceptance and shifting the mind. And then there's the last one. We can stay stuck and stay miserable. (laughs) Um, all of those are choices, right? We have choices yep, of how we, how is an option. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are lots of options, but the idea of challenging, right? Challenging pain or challenging suffering is radical acceptance. Um, radical acceptance is based on the notion that suffering comes not directly from pain, but from our attachment to the pain. Ooh, um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What well, I feel like that gives like a, tss, you know, it's like, yeah, it's not just the pain. It's how you're attached to that pain. It's how you Oof. like how you, how much you do or don't want to let go of that pain like oh uh, yeah it's it pretty powerful you, it gives you so much more power I yeah think, to deal with things it's very empowering to think about it in that way right that um anytime we can externalize what we're experiencing it becomes a more manageable thing and the cool thing about that idea of our attachment to suffering rather than suffering itself or like how how much we experience pain it has its roots in kind of buddhism um and also kind of some psychological uh, the psychological paradigm put forth by Carl Rogers um, that acceptance is that step towards change, right? I mean, it, we see that all over the place that um, acceptance is kind of written into even like the bad anon mantra, right? Um, right. In in AA, right, the serenity prayer is that it's all about acceptance, um, and that acceptance doesn't mean that we are placing judgment on whether it's good or it's bad. Sure, that it we are accepting is. that this is it's reality, yeah. and this concept of radical acceptance is totally what I see with both Ralph and Vanellope. What do you What yeah. do you think? Like, what What's your take on it? Well, I mean, ah, like this one, I feel like is so. At least, maybe just recently, like I don't know, in my life, it's hard for me to even put it in, back into the movie because it's just so real life for me. Like sometimes yeah. I'm like okay, this is what it is. Like, this is happening. (laughs) This is where it is. And I get to choose how I want to deal with this. Like, Mm -hmm. there's, yeah, it it is. Like, you got four choices, you know? So how how are you going to, how are you going to do that? And like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I I know it just hits really hard for me because like I said, it gives me the power, puts it, puts me back in the driver's seat of my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but, uh, Accepting one's reality without judgment. That's what's hard. <laughs> yeah. Because it's one thing to be like, okay, this is 
like I don't know I'll have like a rough day with my kids I'm like okay I'm losing it with my kids today that's just what's happening like I'm I must have unmet needs I got some mom rage going on like something's going on and to keep the judgment out of that is the tricky part (laughs) because it's easy to be like I'm not keeping my cool very well I'm not being very patient right now right Hmm. And, it, and not letting it instantly come in and be like, because you're a bad mom, you know, yeah. like that's so hard <laughs> to keep that out. Boom. Or like, you yeah. should be better at this. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, okay, I'm feeling big feelings and I feel like mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time here. What can I do to fix this? How, what can I choose? Right. Instead of, but it would help the judgment. Ooh, Ooh, I, it, it is a tricky one because um, we sometimes to get to that place of no judgment, means that we do walk that path first of like you said like oh i'm doing this not how i would like to and i didn't respond as calmly as i wanted to here and i'm a bad mom i just i'm a bad mom right that right that's the again that's the black and white thinking that our brain really wants to draw some conclusions for us um but to get to that place of acceptance right is sometimes we have the judgments first and then we come to that place of okay hold on wait (laughs) yes what's what's true in this and what is not true and um and it's cool i get to be the outside person that has seen you parent and (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty cool it's a pretty it's pretty cool to see your friend parent because you are someone who is so thoughtful and kind and patient and i know i don't see the nitty-gritty everyday stuff um although i mean i lived in your house for a couple of days so i got to see a lot of stuff right And the reality is that you are an amazing parent, like you and your spouse are amazing parents. Um, But when we are in those moments, it's very difficult to remember that evidence of being a good parent, right? Right. We only want to look at the yucky stuff. Yes. Which is unfair. It's totally unfair. Mm -hmm. And so, and so this radical acceptance, it's that, that step towards healing. It's that step, step towards even self-acceptance and, I had this thought as we were kind of prepping for this that I just see this theme running through the movie of people trying to be what they're not and covering up their true selves. So Ralph trying to change his station in the game, Penelope trying to quash her glitch, King Candy literally becoming someone new, right? He was turned right. before and then he turned into King Candy. Um, where the real growth happens is when both Ralph and Penelope practice that radical acceptance. King Candy never does, right? He continues to try and evolve. And he evolves so far to the point that he literally turns into a cyborg himself and then dies by, like, being, like, the dumb moth that goes into the firelight. Like, he he essentially offs himself because he right. he tried to be someone else so far. And so there's this beautiful moment at the end of the game or at the end of the movie where Ralph is trying to hype up Vanellope he says, just cross the finish line and you'll be a real racer. And it like really touched me. And I'm not going to lie, made me tear up because of an LB. I know, I know. I, I love I love to cry in movies. She says, I'm already a real racer and I'm going to win. That she didn't need to, to win the race in order for her to know. She already knew. I'm a racer and I'm going to win. Such yeah. beautiful confidence, right? I love that. It's so, so powerful. Yeah. Any thoughts on radical? Any more thoughts on radical acceptance? Uh, I mean, just that we should. It should be something that we're all striving for. Because, like, yeah. like you said, like if you don't accept yourself for who you are and the fact that you can control, you have control and power over that, you will lose yourself. Like King Candy, like literally, totally lost himself because he just wasn't understanding that he had, like, that yeah. he could accept who he was, like. I feel like that was never like an option for him. Like I have to just turn into someone else. I have to steal someone else's spot. I have to do something else. Yeah. I cannot go that back and be that person. And mm-hmm. so when we when we do that, when we in our own lives we go, well, I can't, like I can't admit who yeah. I am. Like I can't admit that I maybe I'm flawed, or I can't admit that maybe I, like I am not as quick at doing this as another person. So I have to overcompensate and find myself in other areas, like. You have to just like, like, just lay in it a little bit. Just like admit it. Like, just admit, like I said, that you're just like a hot dumpster fire, like the rest of us. Yeah. Just admit it. And then without the judgment, or like, it will come, but then you tell it to go away. Right. We challenge it. All right. That was not a nice thought. So, how about that leaves? 
yeah, challenge that. And then maybe you can figure out like where to go from there instead of fleeing from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what an out of body and like inauthentic experience to, to feel like you can never be yourself or that yourself isn't a good enough thing to be. Um, that, that is a heavy place to be. And so, yeah, we don't want, we don't want to live in that. Um, well, I'm curious when we bring this all together, yeah. what do you feel like is your lesson learned? What's, what are your big takeaways with this movie? Well, what I have written down or what I remember thinking after the movie was over was that make sure that you choose wisely the voices that you listen to. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, Penelope and Ralph are just kind of told all the time to just chill and just do what they need to be like to be content in what they're doing. And they're not, they, they need more discovery. They need more help. They need more time. And so I feel like sometimes people are going to tell you that out of good, out of love, they'll say, you know what? Just love what you have. Just love yourself. Mm-hmm. But other times people like King Candy are going to tell you that because they have an agenda. So you need to make sure that you're not listening to the negative or the yeah. the heart, the, the stuff that doesn't ring true within you. You got to listen to that and yeah. then know yourself. Because I think Vanellope and Wreck-It Ralph, or Ralph both had a lot of gumption and like mm-hmm. were really actively trying to figure their crap out. And that's why they did. So yeah. I guess it's just like people are going to be saying stuff all around you all the time, telling you how to feel, telling you how to do your life, how to parent, how to, I don't know, how to just yeah. do anything. And you don't, just make sure you make sure you look where the sources are coming from in your life. Yeah. Make sure you don't have a king candy hanging out around you, making you feel bad about yourself. Um, and make sure that you follow what rings true inside yeah. of you. Not listen what to your gut. Yeah, listen to your gut and follow that feel chase that feeling. You need more self-discovery in an area, go for it. Just like Yes. Yeah. Find find yourself. That's my beautiful. takeaway. That's a beautiful takeaway. I, I appreciate that because it is a journey. Like, um, my thought that I often talk about with clients is, you're not meant to be a finished product. You're yeah. you're you're still in development, so you don't have to be the perfect version of yourself that's in the storefront window. Like that, you're not supposed to be that. You're supposed to be messy, and that's actually what makes you very valuable is being messy. Um, yeah. What's your takeaway? My takeaway is that our unique eccentricities, which is one of my absolute favorite words. It's a good one. (laughs) One of my best friends growing up, this was a word that we loved. But our unique eccentricities are what make us great. Um, And that our worth is not dependent upon fitting into a mold. Um, We are inherently worthy of love and acceptance without condition, full stop. Like that's, that's it. You just, you do not have to earn worthiness for love. You do not have to earn acceptance and love. Like you just, you already deserve it. And anyone that tells you differently, uh, straight to jail. Like, no, we don't need them. (laughs) Like, well, they're king candy. They are. They're projecting their own crap onto you. Yeah. That's That's not, not their chaos is theirs. It's, it's not yours. Let them be, have their chaos, right? Like that, give it to them. And then put up your boundary there that that's not you. That's, that's not you. It's not yours. Um, because y- you are worthy of love and acceptance without any conditions. Mm. Yeah. Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> <to that one. laughs> All right. Well, let's spin our wheel for our lightning round. Who is the unsung hero of this movie? Ooh. You know, I have to come back to... Um, to fix it, Felix and Sergeant Calhoun, their little dynamic to me was so fun. Um, we didn't really get into it a lot in this because our focus was elsewhere. But the beauty of showing PTSD in this way, I think, was powerful. Like you, little, you literally get to see like the tragedy is like her betrothed is like killed in front of her on the, her wedding day. Like that's sure right and so so yeah that's it for love and that's it for all those things right all those vulnerable things and so i i really appreciate watching her have to be silly and break down some of her tough guy walls 
to be vulnerable because you get to see the depth that we can have um, and the reconnection with ourselves, the reconnection back to ourselves after we've experienced something very tragic, that we still have the capacity for love and we still have the capacity for goodness, as well as uh, we also get to grieve what we have experienced as well. And so I liked her being a very like holistic character that she still was like pretty tough at the end, but she was tough in a way that was more open and more, um, more well-rounded, I suppose. Yeah, I, I my, my answer is very similar to you. I think Fix It Felix was a big unsung hero in this movie, just yeah. because while Ralph was out figuring his stuff out, so is Felix. And then when Ralph was able to come back to the game, and then when he realizes and Felix is trapped, and he realizes like Felix went after him and like tried to help him, um, I just think that Felix could have just stayed behind, sat and waited for Ralph to come back, or just you know not taken any initiative. Yeah. And then the fact that he was able to grow through his own journey and then, like, be friends with Ralph at the end, I think it's really beautiful. And it yeah. helps to reinforce all the lessons that Ralph had learned throughout this movie about himself. Yeah. He was able to see that also reflected back in Felix, who also believed in him and wanted to be his friend and saw the good in him. Yeah. So, like, while the main characters are doing their thing, yeah, that little side dynamic between Felix and <laughs> Sergeant Calhoun was super cute because they both were getting over their crap. Yeah. Or at least better mastering their yeah. trauma and their problems and able to um, support our main characters also. So it, was, it was sweet. Beautiful. Yeah. Super cute movie. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, honestly, moral of the story is listen to your inner compass, right? And yeah. And make the changes. If the people around you are are almost like putting your compass off course if there's like these large magnets in your life that are disrupting the flow like get, get those out get those out yeah um you don't need that you don't have time for that um we, we deserve to have places that feel good and that we deserve to feel good so absolutely mm. all righty well so great. until next time um our next movie is 500 days of summer one of my all-time favorites um it I'm gonna I'm gonna give no spoilers because Bailey has not watched it yet. I haven't. Yeah, and for those that have, I'm I'm interested for the roller coaster of. I think I might ruin this one for myself. It's already started to be ruined as time has gone on, and I've grown up, and I'm like, ah. Oh. You know what? We did that with Count of Monte Cristo for me, so it's your turn <laughs> <laughs> to have one of your top fives. Yeah, taken apart. Yeah, so we're gonna let's do it. We're gonna have to navigate that one so 500 days of oh, summer yeah. um watch it along with us um it's bound to be an interesting listen because i used to be very very passionate about how awesome this movie was we'll see if it lives up to my internal and historical hype <laughs> i cannot wait i am very excited okay so till next time listen to your inner compass challenge those negative yep, thoughts oh yep and let us know what we missed yes you can um, let us know what, what you thought of the movie and always taking recommendations on what we should do next. Yes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Films and Feelings. If you liked what you heard, drop us a line in the reviews and subscribe for more movie therapy thoughts. If you have a suggestion for the show or a movie we should analyze, hit us up at filmsandfeelingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Thank you.